Let's bow our heads just a word of prayer. Almighty God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for this privilege of appearing before this group who gathered here to learn more about a better way of life. We ask that thou be in our midst, guide and direct our thoughts, guide and direct what I may say. And whatever is said or whatever is done, may it be done towards thy honor and glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. First thing I want to invite you folks for, I want to thank you folks for inviting me down here. Next thing I want to congratulate you on having as many here as you have on your first anniversary. I think it was on our ninth anniversary that we had over in Akron High <clears throat> that I heard Doc get up and make this statement. I never paid much attention to statistics about any kind of statistics about AA. It never made any particular difference to me who was first, second, third, or fourth. How many but our Doc get up and make this statement? He said that our, at our first anniversary, uh, we had six at the end of the year. Well, I didn't remember that. And he said that four of them were here tonight. Uh, that was on our ninth anniversary, he said, and four of them are here tonight, one of them dead, and one of them's out of town and couldn't be here. Well, I happen to know that a couple of them that were there had had little trouble uh, during those uh, nine years, but uh, they had were there that night and uh, were sober. And uh, so that's all we had on our, our first anniversary was six, and of course there were several times six here. And, of course, uh, when we had that anniversary, I certainly never expected to be down in North Canton talking to folks. And there were a lot of the other places where I have been and talking. I, we just had in mind that we'd get sober and stay sober. And uh, to do that, uh, we had to go out and take this program to a few people and uh, enough to get sober and stay sober ourselves. And then that would be the end to it. Now, that's all I had in mind, I know, and I'm pretty positive that uh, there wasn't anything much else in the mind of the others except to stay sober ourselves. Uh, that early thought has been worth quite a little bit to me uh, in, in uh, two or three ways. I haven't felt any great responsibility about uh, the movement being such a wonderful movement and all those great things is going to be Don, I even had a woman after one of the meetings I was to, she come around, oh, she was been a missionary in China for a long time. A very wonderful woman. Oh, she said, this is wonderful. She said, maybe this is the answer, this is the answer to world peace. And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, anyhow, I hope that uh, the answer to uh, peace in a lot of homes around here in Akron, where they used to get drunk and fight with each other. <laughs> now, if you can carry it on over. And make the world peace out of it, that's fine. But uh, I have always had in mind that the main purpose of AA was to stay sober. And now there's a lot to AA, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, that's uh, worth a lot more. And a lot in there outside of staying sober. But actually and honestly, I hope uh, that we always keep sobriety as the main purpose of AA. Now, I know positively that that's the thing that we started out with, was to stay sober. Uh, certainly, I've got a lot of things out of it further than that. One fellow even argued with me about uh, not so long ago and said if sobriety had been the only thing he got, uh, it just wouldn't have been worthwhile. And I said, well, I don't know about you. But I know about me. I said, the first, last six months I drank, I was dragged into the hospital eight times, six months. And four or five times of those times, I've been tied down out of bed there too before ever I knew I was there. And I said, my doctor told me I didn't have a two or three more, and I know I knew as well as he knew uh, that I didn't have. He said, you get in such terrible shape that you're not going to make many more of them. And uh, I knew it. And uh, that was 16 years ago, and I'm still living and uh, still feeling pretty good. In fact, just about a year ago, I uh, had some sort of virus, and I stayed in bed two days. 
My wife kept telling me to go to the doctor, but I think it's just a sort of a cold, and I don't want to be bothered with doctors. And, uh, but I did finally go, and he told me, he said, you, you sick? And I said, yeah, I know. But I came back and told my wife, she said, well, I kept wanting you to go to the doctor. She said, I knew you were sick. She said, that's the first time I've seen you stay in bed all day since they used to tie you in bed 15 years ago, which was the, which was the truth. I hadn't thought about it. But I said that that happened to me the last six months I drank, and I've had, uh, since that time, uh, uh, day before yesterday, the fourth day of July was when I came out of the hospital. Of course, I'd been sober some three or four days then, and that was 16 years ago that I came out of the hospital, and I said I've had eight or ten uh, years extra of life, I know, that have been good with good health, and then you tell me... Uh, I said that certainly was worthwhile. If I had never gotten anything more out of AA than that, that fact that I don't go to the hospital anymore and not go through all that hell and stuff that I went through with, and the fact that I've had that uh, number of years uh, of good life is certainly worthwhile if I had never gotten anything more. I did get a lot more out of it, and there's a lot more in it, and I hope that uh, folks will get it. And, but I still hope that we keep that sobriety the main purpose of AA. And, uh, you know, I, it's getting a little bit harder for me to lead a meeting right alone. Uh, I think the re reason for that is that I've been doing it for so long, and the most of you fellows know that I've been doing it for so long, and uh, so you begin to wonder why in the devil I don't get any better than what I am. <laughs> that makes it, makes it a little bit tough on me. Uh, well, that might be good, too. Maybe then they'll sort of stop asking me. You know, I was just talking. I, I think the first meeting that I went out of town to lead was over in Toledo, and I expect that was better than ten years ago. Because I think it was about two years ago I was over in Adrian, Michigan, and I was talking to a big fellow there, and I said the first time I was ever over here in, in Toledo, he was up there from Toledo, and I said, that was about uh, seven or eight years, something like that ago. He said, well, I know exactly how long it's been. He said, I haven't been sober, but about three weeks. Uh, and I was there at that meeting, and I've been sober eight years. So it's been better than ten years, the first time, as far as I know, that I went out of town. And uh, I've been doing it. And there's a lot of you fellows back there that can do just as good a job as I can. And uh, you ought to be up here leading this meeting instead of me. Uh, because you can do it just as well, and it will help you. Uh, because in my opinion, there isn't anything much that uh, helps a person uh, more than leading the meetings. In fact, is that was one of the main things that they had in mind when we started out. And when we went to a meeting in the early days, we didn't know when we went who was going to lead the meeting. We went and we had what we called quiet time, and uh, during that quiet time, we was to open our minds uh, with for instruction as to who we thought ought to lead the meeting that night. And then after we uh, did that, uh, sat there in silence uh, for five minutes, why they start around, who did you think, and this fellow say this one, this one, that one, and whoever happened to have the most, we pointed to him and said, well, it's you. So he got up there and, uh, and took charge of the meeting and uh, went ahead. And we didn't know until... Uh, we got there who was going to do it, and that wouldn't be a bad idea to try out, in my opinion, every once in a while here. It'll help, fella. It might uh, muss him up a little bit for a minute or two, and did us, but we'll get over it. And uh, I used to say when I started out that if no one was helped in the meeting except me, uh, well, I certainly know I knew I would be by, by leading the meeting that would help him. And uh, this idea of uh, these fine speakers and good speakers and so forth being called in, I, I, I never have been and too much in favor of that uh, because I've seen some mighty good fellas uh, take a licking on account of the fact that I'm very positive that uh, that idea that they were in demand quite a bit as speakers uh, sort of began to go to <coughs> up here to the top of their head a little bit. And they got a little proud of it. And uh, in fact, as I watched two or three of them, and I was sort of wondering if that wasn't happening, then uh, one or two of them, it certainly happened terribly bad to them. 
Uh, now that might not have had anything to do with it, but they did fall off and do some good, and I sort of wanted it. It's, uh, it's a little, now I'm not saying what I got up here to say. Uh, <laughs> but it is a little hard, you know. Uh, I, I, I was lucky. I've been lucky all the way through A. That's, that's helped me out an awful lot. Uh, I never could uh, feel or particularly uh, complimented by the reason of the fact that they asked me because they happened to ask me just because I happened to be uh, the first mind person that Doc and Bill worked on and were successful with. I'm very positive that's the reason they asked me rather than uh, what I happened to say. Well, uh, I had no control over the fact that they happened to be the ones that, uh, that I happened to be the ones that they picked up first, so I never could uh, feel that way about it. And uh, that's been 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 helped on me, and but I remember one time I came in there and at home and I'd been to a meeting and you know I think so the meeting you know something getting sort of wrong with these meetings and they're not hardly up to par and uh, I don't know just what's the matter what's what's wrong they ain't the same happening or something I, I just wasn't I was rather low about how he was going. And uh, so uh, I picked up a little book there and opened it like this. And I just saw it laying there. It was my wife's magazine. She, I didn't know how to ever look at it. But I picked it up that night and pulled it open. Just a matter of luck. I never looked. Pulled it up there and I started to read. And uh, why? Well, I never even looked at the heading. I don't know yet what the heading of the article was, but the part I read was, uh, I'm a little ashamed to tell you this, but it actually happened. Uh, the fellow said he went over to his neighbors, and uh, the fellow insisted on showing him about an hour or better of uh, pictures, moving pictures that he'd taken of he and his family around the house there. Well, the man said, I had seen him day after day around there doing those same things, and I'd seen those rose bushes and things, and it really wasn't very interesting. It was rather boring to me to sit down and look at those pictures. But after it was over, he said, of course, naturally, to be polite, I had to say something. Said they had a little eight-year-old girl. Said I looked over at her. And I said, well, what part of the picture did you like the best? Well, she said, the part I was, the part I was in, of course, she said. <laughs> well, I do. And that came in my mind. Now, do you reckon that's what is sort of the matter? Maybe they sort of uh, slipped up here, and maybe they haven't been paying you hardly as much attention. Maybe you haven't led as many meetings. In the last, uh, I wouldn't tell you this, I'm sort of ashamed of it, uh, but it might help you. And I said, have they been paying as much attention to you as they should or something like that? That's the reason you're finally hurt. And uh, when I analyzed it down, right down to the fact, I had to come to the conclusion that possibly that might have had something to do with the fact that I thought those meetings weren't hardly as entertaining as they had been because I hadn't had the uh, spatial attention uh, that I maybe thought that I ought to have. Uh, although I really never particularly wanted any spatial attention because... And I told them over and over again I don't because I'm very positive and that if anybody else uh, begins to set me up there as uh, somebody to go by and lean on and give me spatial attention, while the old devil, he'll start giving me spatial attention too. And I've had about all the attention from that boy for the last 16 years and all my life that I really want. Now, I don't say that in any sacrilegious way. I mean it because he's always right after a fellow. And if he says, oh, well, if I kick Bill out, I can knock a half a dozen, well, he'll concentrate on me, and I don't need any concentration. <laughs> and uh, that's neither here nor there. But I, I thought about that, that that might happen. And, uh, but the fact, as I mentioned a while ago, that it's the idea of sobriety is the reason that we are primarily in AA and the fact that I never expected any great world movement or anything like that to go out of it has helped me because in that way I can go ahead and do AA and practice AA the same way it was taught to me, which I'm going to give it to you directly in about, and it only takes me about 10 minutes to do that. And that's what I ought to do, of course, and quit, but I keep on talking for a long time to get up to it. And uh, it's helped me to go ahead and practice and talk AA just the way I learned it without feeling too much responsibility of what's going to happen to the movement and uh, arguing with uh, this bunch that wants to do it this way and arguing with this bunch that wants to do it that way 
And now there's quite a little bit of that, you know, that's going on around now. Some of them want it this way and some of them want it the other way. And I told a fellow today, he came all the way down to Cleveland and bought my dinner to give me hell for some things that he thought was so-and-so. And I just told him, I said, now wait, I learned this AA one way. And I learned AA that the main purpose that I was in AA was not to save the world and not to save a lot of people, but to keep Bill Dotson sober. That's the main reason I'm in there. To do that, uh, I have to take this message uh, to people. Uh, now, from now on, they have to take over. I can't keep them sober. I couldn't keep them sober. I couldn't save the world. I don't think I was expected to save the world. And then the fact is, I can't think that you can find any place in the Bible, any place, where anybody was supposed to save anybody. If you go back and read the four synoptic uh, Gospels, uh, you'll find that just before Jesus ascended, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He never told you to save anybody. I even read in the paper today where that fellow ministered up there was a wanting so-and-so so he could save a lot of people, see? Uh, I don't think we do that, and I don't think we keep them sober. We can take them the message, uh, but from uh, there on, uh, it's between them and, and this higher power as to what happened. And uh, that's what I've been doing is when they ask me to go around and tell folks uh, the AA program as it gave it to me and sometimes a few other little things, that I've noticed that uh, uh, I heard a fellow get up and say in King School on Wednesday night, and it's the first time I heard him admit it that way. Uh, he said he stayed sober seven and a half years, and then he got drunk. It took him about 15 months to get sobered back. Well, that was true, and I knew it, and he's been sober since. Uh, uh, and he admitted that he said I was a terribly intolerant son of a gun. He said I just didn't have no damn use for these fellows that came into AA and, and slipped. He said I just couldn't see it tolerant. Well, I thank goodness I never had that kind of spirit. When he comes around and tells me, he said, oh, he said, I had a slip. I said, the devil, you had a slip. You just went out and got drunk. But just exactly the same way I did hundreds of times after I knew I shouldn't, I went out and did it. You know, that's just what you did. No slipping or anything else. Just got right over again. Uh, of course, uh, maybe AA would look better to the outside world if we uh, saved every bird fellow that came around and and uh, said he belongs to AA. I don't know how in the world he belongs to AA. Uh, there wasn't any joining or anything like that when, uh, when I came in. And uh, now I ramble around there and talk to you. It was, as I mentioned a while ago, it was 16 years ago, the, about the 26th of June, that I came to over there in the city hospital in Akron, Ohio. One Thursday morning, that's the only way in the world that I uh, knew what particular day it was. Uh, I knew it was Wednesday and I went in there, and the only way in the world that I remembered a year or two later uh, that it was Wednesday was that uh, I knew I started on Saturday. And uh, the last time before that uh, that I had come out of the hospital, I told my wife, I said, for goodness sakes, don't let me get in such terrible shape anymore before I get into the hospital. I said, that's been hell the last few times. I'll tell you. Uh, see if you can't get me to go in the hospital. It usually took me about 10, 12 days from the time I took that first drink until I ended up over there in the hospital tied down. It took 10 or 12 days. Uh, a week of it out, round and round like that, me in and out. And then the last week I was up there on the third floor in my home, so I was supposed to be out of town, and if anybody come in, they wouldn't hear me up there. And uh, I just laid up there in, in that bed on the third floor by myself, which wasn't my bedroom, it was on the second. But I'd go up there and hide, and every time I'd wake up, I'd just reach over and get the bottle and take another drink and go back to sleep. And keep that up for about uh, four or five days or a week. Finally, it comes a day, you know, you've heard fellas talk about uh, throwing them up, you know, couldn't get them down in the morning. Well, I'd throw them up, 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 up like that. But that never made any particular difference to me because I knew that if I kept on swallowing them, I'd finally get one that would stay down exactly. And, uh, but if you do like what I talked to you just about doing, you spend about a week, drink, 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 and then last week up there on the floor, just nothing, no eat, just reach over, take the bottle, and go back to sleep. Finally, you wake up someday and look at it and you sit down. You wouldn't do anything. 
It just wouldn't do any good. You fool with that now, Gloms. It's going to do any good. Another day or so of this, and you'd be dead. So I started off with my wife to get a hold of the doctor. I didn't go to the hospital only for the six weeks, but the last two or three years I drank, I never got over one without having to call a doctor. Fine time finally comes when you look at it and you know that it isn't going to do any good. Say another drink isn't going to do any good. You're just so full and sick of it. You wouldn't do anything about throwing it up, but you just know it isn't going to do you any good. One of any use in trying to take it, and then you have to do something about it. And uh, so I told her not to let me get so bad the next time, so I started on Saturday. And isn't that odd? I remember just how I took that first drink on Saturday. I went home early from the office, figuring that uh, to stay sober. And then I got home, got up there to the house, and, and it was uh, June, it was hot, and I got drier and drier. And I wanted to drink worse and worse, and there was a place over there where they sold only liquor and uh, wine and uh, no whiskey. And uh, so I fooled, shook, and bothered, and fooled around there. I hadn't had a drink probably for a couple of weeks then, maybe, at least that long. And But I was so nervous, and I wanted to drink. And I finally sold myself, and I guess, I mean, I, I sold my wife. Well, I don't guess I sold either one of us. I don't know. But I I tried to sell her on the idea that I'd just run over there and have a cold cup, cold glass of beer and come back. It was time for dinner, supper, whichever you call it, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was about time to eat, and she had to about ready. And I'll just run over there, and I'll have a couple of cold bottles of beer, and I'll run right back. And eat myself and I won't get drunk. Now I know if I'm going to drink a cup of cold bottle of beer, damn if I'm going to eat right after because I'd just waste it. That's all. <laughs> I'm going to have a trouble. I ain't going to waste it to eat right after. But I really thought that that could be done, see? And I guess I, and I even told her I'll take the boy. He's about eight or nine years. I'll take the boy along uh, to ensure the fact that I'm going to come back. And, um, well, I don't guess I made her believe it, but she didn't. Anyhow, it went. And, of course, about 11 o'clock, she come over and got the boy. <laughs> and took him home, and she didn't bother me. Of course, I stayed all night. As soon as they closed that up, I went looking for a bootleg job. Where they sold them after hours. And found it. And stayed there and went home sometime the next day. And I had told her, for goodness sakes, don't let me get that bad anymore. So somewhere or other, on Wednesday, she coaxed me into the hospital, and I went into the hospital. That's the reason I know it was Wednesday. I hadn't been drinking so long. And I wasn't so bad that morning. And so I came to there on Thursday morning, and uh, my mind was fairly clear because I'd only been drinking since Saturday. And uh, so I looked around, and I realized where I am again. And I said, well, here you are again. And you've been here, either here or over in the Peoples. This makes eight times now in six months. And every time you woke up or you went out of this hospital in this last six months, you went out of here fully determined in your own mind that you wasn't going to get drunk for something like six or eight months. I don't think I said I was going to quit. But I went out there fully determined that I wasn't going to be drunk for six or eight months because I couldn't afford it. I was broke and wasn't going to be long until my wife and boy was going to be on charity, which would be terribly humiliating. And not only that, it was going to be, uh, I was going to have to start uh, to uh, panhandle and drink, and boy, that would be hell. I always felt for a panhandle. Because when I wanted to drink, I wanted it. I didn't want to have to go out and try to beg somebody and spend a half an hour trying to get a hold of a drink. I wanted it right then. And I didn't want to have to, and I could picture myself out down there on the street trying to get a hold of enough money to go and buy me a drink and have to make maybe an hour or two when I'd be a it like I would like that. And I, I just knew it would just be terrible. But anyhow, I come through there and I said, here you are. And you didn't intend to be here. Time after time, you've been doing this now here, and you're going out of here fully determined. You weren't going to get drunk anymore for six months, at least six or eight months, until you got a little money in. Things got back a little self-respect uh, of your own and a little towards people to show that you can do something about it. What are you going to do about it? And I didn't know. No, I didn't know what to do. 
And that was odd. Right then, the boy comes along. He says, get on this old top. We're going upstairs. <coughs> well, I didn't want to argue with him. I did a little bit. But he said, get on. I don't want to argue. And I ain't argued. I've never seen him before. But he told me answers. I ain't. Finally, I did ask him, how do you know me? He called me old top. I never saw you before in my life. He said, hell you haven't. I've wrestled with you over there in that emergency ward night after night. When they left you over there, they wouldn't take you up to the hospital. They left you over there for me to wrestle with you. And then... <laughs> Think I don't know you. I, well, I've never seen him before. I wasn't going to. But I've been over there, but I didn't see him. And uh, so up I went, and I got up there, and my wife was sitting there in a big crying room. Well, I really didn't know what was happening. My wife would always come to hospital and speak to me. Visit me. I don't know why she would, but she did. I remember she come walking in uh, one morning with the doctor. I said, good morning, Doc. Good morning, honey. I'd been awake just a few little while, you know. I found out at 11 o'clock in the daylight. I knew it was 11 o'clock in the day. I kept looking around at my wife, and I said, uh, why don't you go to Sunday school, honey? Sure. She said, Sunday school? Yeah, I said, Sunday school church. Why don't you Sunday school in church? I knew it was Saturday. It wasn't about noon when I went in, you know. And uh, she said, what time do you think it is? 11 o'clock. I knew right off because I just found out. <coughs> well, I know, but she said, what day? Oh, I said, she said, this is Monday. This ain't Sunday. Well, <laughs> I didn't know. Now, where I'd been all day from Saturday, from Saturday noon to Monday morning, 11 o'clock. Well, I'd been there in that hospital died down, but I had no remembrance of it. Nothing that I remember. I thought it was still Sunday. She ought to be in church. So she was sitting there, and I said, hello, and she said, hello. And I let her do the talking. I didn't have anything to say. I was licked, see. I, I, I just didn't have any answer. Uh, and uh, I didn't have any answer that morning. She said, I've been talking to a couple of folks about your drinks. Well, I thought that is odd. There's been a lot of talk around in our house about drinking. I knew some church members been down there, and I knew two or three preachers been down there praying with my wife about me. I wasn't what I was at because I wouldn't listen to them. I didn't want to listen to them. I went to church and listened to what they had done and what in the hell they wanted to listen to me about the drinking. They never got drunk and what what would I listen to them? They'd tell me I ought to quit. Huh. Oh my. I knew so much more about how I ought to quit than you. I knew more about how bad my finances were and I knew that my hours of hell that I went through with night after night. And them telling me I ought to quit. What I want to do is, uh, if they could have, told me how, but uh, they'd tell me I ought to, you know. And uh, also tell me how that I could, which I guess I knew probably was right. But uh, it was so tough that way, I just couldn't make it. I just had to be going much better than I, I, than, than I just knew I couldn't be that good. And, uh, of course, I was pretty much like the woman that the uh, minister was trying to get to join the church. And finally she said, well, minister, she said, I'll join. But she said, you'll have to bear with me. You'll have to be easy. She said, I'm going to have a tough time. She said, you know, it seems strange, but she said, it seems like everything I like to do is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. She said, <laughs> she said it's just going to be tough. <laughs> So I guess I knew that was the answer, but uh, I didn't know how to get it. That way I, I didn't know how I could make it. I'd done a lot of praying about it, but as soon as I'd start praying about it, well, the idea come up about cigarettes and little penny ante poker and going to picture shows. My church frowns on all those, and they wouldn't even permit me to smoke. If I was up there in their basement tonight, I couldn't smoke there. I can get up and go out like we always do when we have a social. We get up and go outside and outside the door and smoke. Well, I don't know whether it's <laughs> any more hard to smoke down there in the basement than it would be outside. They're just outside the door or not, I don't know. But all those things that bob up there, and I said, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I, I just can't. I just can't. I know I won't be able to be that good. I'd done a lot of praying about it, and all those little things would come up. And I said, yeah, yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll do that too. Sure, I'll, I'll do everything. But I'm a liar, and I know it. Finally, I said, well, there's no use me lying to the Lord and praying for help when you know you're lying and you're not ready to do them things. So I quit praying, and that's when I sure did. Start sliding then because I didn't have anything to hold on to then, and I certainly started 
started hitting the down in great time. But my wife said, I've been, uh, you go, said, I've been talking to a couple of fellows about you drinking. And I looked, I thought that's funny. Now, that's the way I got A. That's the way I'm coming. Of course, it isn't all that way. It's sort of along that line, in my opinion. I'm just telling you the little things that happened to pop in my mind that helped me. The next thing she said to me, she said, you're going to quit. And I think, well, where in the devil did you ever get any assurance like that? You must have hit a couple of daggone good salesmen. That makes you think. That makes you think. Because she said a couple of men. And that makes you think that I'm going to quit. I haven't heard you say that for a long, long time. She just didn't say anything about it. And she didn't hear me say I was going to quit. I always, always say, I'll have to, have to cut this out. I'll have to quit this. I'll have to cut this out, you know. I guess I knew I couldn't quit, so I didn't want to go back on the word, and I'd just go around to help her and maybe help myself, too, saying that I'll have to cut it out. I'll have to cut it out. Knowing that I couldn't. I remember way back in 1960, and I don't know what year it was, because it was uh, my uh, junior year in university and of course a certain boy was room with me at that time and I had been terrible. Oh, the terrible one the night before and still was that morning but sick and I was sitting there on the bed and I was a heaving and a gagging and a heaving and going off and this little mountaineer he was worse drunk than I was he looked over at me and he said why don't you quit? Don't hear you. All you'd see here was the way that it sounded even funnier. And I looked at him as funny as thick as I was, and I said, Well, well yeah, he said, See, this no trouble. I've got a thousand dollars. And I said, You're going to see, I said, You're going to quit. Well, now that helped. That assurance that, that she had there, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't have that assurance. But the fact that she still could believe in me and believe in this program, or believe that she had found something whereby I could quit, well, was a hell. And she told me there were a couple of uh, drunks, she said, like you are. Said they have trouble too, said. And said they get drunk, and uh, they're trying to quit. And uh, they're poor weak sinners, maybe she didn't say it that way, but that's what came to my mind. Well, now that's bad. All these other people have been coming around here, they come around here to help this poor weak sinner, me. They're all right, but they want to help me. And, uh, but there's nothing wrong with them, but now here's a couple of poor weak sinners that's come to talk to me. Well, now that, that helped my egotism quite a little bit. But they admitted that they were just, had the same licking as I had. Well, I knew people sort of looked down on me. Why don't you use your willpower? <laughs> yeah. Use your willpower. <laughs> You know, I've used my willpower, and you have too. Because when you get sober, you have a hell of a fight to put on, I can tell you. And if I'd had sense enough, I could have fought that first drink uh, easier than I could have fought it out there after I'd been drinking it for a week or two, but finally knew that I had to quit and sit there and fight it out. Now, now that, that, that's when you really got a real tough fight to put out. And I knew my preacher had never gone through that, sitting there for a day or two shaking and hold and fighting that out to get sober and get back in. Now, that's a tough job. I used to tell them all the time, I said, you know, it always was kind of fun to get drunk, but it's hell to get sober. That's when I got in trouble. When I started trying to get sober, that was when, when my trouble started. And um, But these uh, fellows, well, they had the same weakness that I had. Therefore, I wasn't going to uh, uh, hurt myself too much by listening to them. That kind of put them down on my level. And uh, so, uh, then there was one other thing. She said, you're going to quit, that helped a lot, and I didn't forget it. And I thanked her for the confidence in my own mind without saying something, because I didn't have much confidence. But she went on, and I talked about the Keeley cure and all that stuff I had with my doctor. I'd had a regular doctor that had been helping me for two or three years. And he was a mighty nice fellow, and he was a minister, too. And my wife and I talked to him about taking a cure. And he said, it won't do, do Bill any good. said, he's a confirmed drunkard, I believe. That's what he called. He said, I'll fool with him before. And he said, I'm a minister, and I'm a doctor. 
He said, I ought to have some answer, but I don't have any answer. All in the world I can do is to help him through this pain so he can get sober enough to get back and try to stay sober a few days. But he does a little work and it won't be long. Uh, he'll be calling me again. I know it because I've had him before, but uh, I'll pretty soon tell him to hell with him. I don't want to be fooled with him. And he's good me, but he's a good friend of mine. Like my wife and his wife. They did more for, their, for her than they did for me. And uh, so uh, I think, well, and I said to my wife, the next question I said, well, why are they going to charge me? And I never forgot that answer. She said, you know, that's the strange thing about it. She said that to <coughs> We've both been church members for a long time now. I'm not knocking the church at all. I'm not. I'm not doing that. But we had been... And had been constantly going, no, I didn't go too regular because I'd get drunk too often. But uh, I, when I was sober enough, now I went pretty drunk sometimes to church. But uh, so I said, uh, why are they going to charge me? She said, well, you know, that's the strange thing about it. She said, not only they, they said not only were they going, no, they weren't going to charge anything, but they said you couldn't pay them a cent if you had a million dollars. I think that's a devil for I could ain't going get no place that way. <laughs> but there's another thing in AA there, and I'm not going to preach to you. You go out and handle AA your way. See, I'm not going to tell you. Because if you don't get it right, and you get drunk, it's going to be you that's going to be sick, and not me. I'll sympathize with you, but I'd rather it be you, because I don't want to try it anymore. I had enough. They wouldn't take a cent. But that worked if you had a million dollars, you couldn't pay them for it. Now that's the way it started out. But I didn't go pay for it. I'm not finding fault from anybody else, but that's the thing that that was one of the main things that helped me to believe that these fellows had something. Here was two fellows I'd never seen or heard tell of that was four week centers just like I was. And they were willing to come over there and take their time and talk to me to show me a program whereby I could stay sober and not only would they not charge me anything, but I couldn't pay them if I wanted to. And that was really the first thing that interested me in AA. And I told my wife to come over. And they came over and I could have given you this program a long time ago. You see, there wasn't any book then, there wasn't any 12 steps, there wasn't any of this other nice good literature we have, some good and some not so good. And that we have around, and we didn't have any of those things. It was just those two fellows there that said they wanted to get sober, and they thought they'd hit on a program, and whereby they could stay sober. And the part of that program was that they had to bring it up to me, and I sort of forgot that last thing because they 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 told me that was part of the program that they had to bring the thing to me. And here was the program. So I say, no twelve steps. No, no, I, the twelve steps are all right. They're fine. <coughs> And, uh, but I learned it the other way. They told me that I had to really want to quit. Uh, they said, if you don't want to quit, well, that's your privilege. Just go ahead and get drunk. That's all right. We not the kicking liquor. Uh, we want to stay sober. And to stay sober, we got we have a program. And to stay sober, we think we have to take that program to somebody else. Now, if you want to go out and get drunk and get sick and die down in this hospital like this, well, all right, and we'll just ride on out. We won't argue with you. That's your free privilege. Well, I said, them fellas, they're pretty uppish about this thing. All these other fellas want to plead with me, you know. And they said, if you want us to get drunk, okay, get drunk. But they said, we, we, we want to quit, and we'd like to see you quit. But we'll leave it to you. You want to quit? And uh, then they asked me, they said, do you think you can quit by yourself? Well, that's pretty hard to answer. I'd always been pretty self-speaking. Run things, just as I was. And I had told a lot of fellows, I saw my cousin dying before he was 27 years old from liquor that I used to run with. I've held him in bed night after night with DTs. And I saw him die. But I was smart. I wasn't going to let him do that. And he told me, he said, Bill, I, I don't want to get drunk like this. But he said, I can't help it. Well, I used to like the preacher. I thought, we ain't using good sense. 
I told him, I said, you, you drank him too much too often. A lot of them asked me, he said, all these years about why you get the alcoholics, and I said, I don't know, after hearing all those stories. I finally come to the conclusion on the reason I became an alcoholic was that I drank too much whiskey too often over too long a period. I think that's what happened. <laughs> now, if I, could, if I could avoid it just one of those, maybe I wouldn't become an alcoholic, and I thought I was going to avoid them, but I kept on until I was in bad shape as he was. And, uh, but I kept on as I saw fellows. I said, now when it starts doing me like that, well, I'm going to quit. Well, when I got out there, it didn't look hardly as bad. And I said, well, that's pretty tough. But I, I do know when it starts doing me like this, fella, then I know I'm going to do something about it. And I just went right on, clear down the bottom. I just kept lowering the standard. Year after year, my standard got worse while I lowered it, too. And so I was clear down to the bottom. And as far as liquor was concerned, I hadn't been down in the jungles because I'd had a little money left me and I'd had some accumulated before I got so bad and so I had run out and I kept fooling the banks. I was pretty slick at that. And uh, so I had had run me out longer. I would have been down there before. So they told me I had to have an honest desire and wish to quit. Well, I don't guess I wanted to quit. But oh my goodness, I'd have had me up for this kind of getting drunk. There wasn't anything in that anymore. I'm sure it was. I certainly, if I didn't want to quit drinking, I wanted to get, quit getting drunk and getting taken over to the hospital and tied down and put in jail and things like that. I didn't like that. And so they asked me then the next question whether they, I thought I could quit by myself, and that was pretty hard to answer. I, I hated to admit that. I had a problem that I couldn't handle, a little silly thing like that. Anyhow, I was able to have done that. I was going to do it all my life. They said, now, if you can handle it by yourself, all right, then we'll go around and we'll look at somebody who can't handle it. And uh, said, we want to quit. And to do that, we got to take this problem to somebody that wants to quit and knows that he can quit. And we're just wasting time. If you don't want to quit, or wasting time. If you don't, uh, if you think you can quit by yourself, that's fine. Just go ahead and quit. And they let me there to study these things over, and then they asked me uh, another question. They said, do you believe in a higher power? I said, yes, I believe in God, and I believe in the Bible. I never have lost my faith. I know that's the answer, but how in the devil am I going to get it? Because I just can't be that good. I, I just can't. I, I said, I do these little things. What am I going to do about that? Well, they gave me some very good sense there. They said, well, now, let's, don't you think that this drink problem is causing you more trouble than anything else now. And don't you think that you're going to have about all that you can do to get rid of this drink problem? Don't you think it's going to use about all your time now getting rid of this? Well, I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I certainly haven't been doing very good at it. Well, I said, now let's concentrate on the drink, and we'll forget the cigarettes and the penny ante poker and the other little things like that for a while. You concentrate on this thing. And you work on that. And then after we get sort of straightened out on that, then uh, you start thinking about them other things. And uh, if uh, you still think you ought to get rid of that, well, then you start working on those. Well, no, I said, that's pretty good sense. Pretty good sense. So I said, I, I believe in the Bible. I believe in God. I know that's the answer I, that I, but I haven't been able to get it. Then the next question they asked me was, would I be willing in the presence of somebody else? We sort of slipped that. We don't use that exactly that way anymore. But they said, would you be willing in the presence of somebody else to go to this higher power, which to me was God, and admit that you have a problem that you can't handle and that you want help? And they left me there to study and over. I had to want to quit. I had to realize that I couldn't do it by myself. I had to believe in some higher power that could help me. And I had to be willing to humble myself enough to go to that higher power and admit that I was, uh, had a problem that I couldn't handle and ask for help. And I stayed there on that old hospital bed and got over into July and I put up a fight. I thought about all the things that I was going to have to give up if I made this surrender. Boy, the old road looked pretty dim, dark. I'll tell you, that straight and narrow road sure looked really narrow. I think Boy, I ain't never going to have no more fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm telling you the truth. I said, this ain't going to be no fun this life, though. Oh, I know now. 
Yeah, the devil, he was fooling me, you know. He had them things. He knew what would hold me back. And he was using them things, you know. And I was still pretty worldly. I love worldly things yet. So I went over all those things that they'd said to me, and I went over back over my life, things that I'd thrown away, material things, and other things that I'd thrown away. The material things didn't worry me too much, and although I certainly didn't have any of them left, and the opportunities that I had didn't worry me too much. But I then began to think about the humiliation and sorrow and things that I had caused some other mighty fine people. My mother and my wife, boy was getting old enough to know. And uh, I just went back over what kind of a heel I'd been. And I can tell you the thing didn't look very nice. It certainly didn't. I'd had an awful lot of people that had been awful nice to me. My dad and mother sent me to school and paid money. Uh, they didn't have to go without something to eat to do it. But I remember, I knew that I was drunk back in 1917. My dad got killed in that year, and I was over in school, and I was drunk when they called on the telephone over there. I was pretty drunk, but I was handling it pretty good in those days. They brought him over there to Lexington, and he died. We had to take him home. I had to take my bottles along with me. But I didn't get real drunk. I was drinking whiskey then in Boston. And uh, then I was my senior year in university, and there was the first time I started to run. I knew I was a drunk. I said, well, now here's a chance. You're a drunk and you know it. Now your dad's left your mom here with two little kids and a 300-acre farm. Now you better stay at home and help your mother. Uh, and look after this farm until spring comes on. That was in February. And you better stay around here and help her. She didn't need me. We had some hard hands. And this farm could have been done. I wasn't very far away. But I made that as an excuse. And then I'll go back to the university and finish in the summertime. And I'm thinking that if I got away from school and stayed there on the farm, because through the summer I went home, I, I had to stay pretty. I did get drunk some, but I had to be pretty careful about Dad because he'd sold me out and I wouldn't get no more money down to school. And I knew it. So when I got drunk around home on the farm, I had to be mighty careful about it. And uh, so uh, I stayed around there. Then Mom said, well, all right, she'd rather go back to school. So I took that as an excuse, and I stayed around there. Well, up in April, there, part of April, and one day I'm talking to her in the room. And uh, I wanted to drink, and I had my pocket. So I just stepped in the other room. Of course, I ought to have better sense, and I closed the door right in her face. Pulled my bottle out and started taking a drink, you know. Well, she just opened the door and looked in there. She stood there and looked at me a minute and come as crying. She said, are you a drunkard? I said, yes, I guess I am. She said, well, I believe you're as bad as Earl. We already knew he wasn't going to live because the doctor told me. She said, I believe you're as bad as he is. Well, I said, almost, Mom. She said, what are we going to do about it? I said, I don't know. Well, she said, I don't either. She said, your dad and I, since you were school right now for four years, all you've learned to about was to be a drunkard. I said, I guess that's right. I said, I'll go down and join the army. Get sober. Well, I won't go into that story. That was a long time ago. Mom lived 13 years after I got sober. And I was awful glad. But I went back over, and I'm going to make... I should have quit already. I went back over all those things that I treat those people, and I said, boy, you sure have been a heel. And you don't have very much left now. The rest of the time, you better start trying to do something about it make up for some of those things that you've done towards people. So I said, well, Lord, I've had enough of this. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I've had enough. According to what the doctor says and according to what I say, I don't have for him anymore. Days around here, I'm pretty well wrecked from every standpoint in the world. I'm wrecked. I don't have very much left to turn over to you, but whatever I, what I have left, I'm going to turn it over to you from now on. I'm not going to be the captain of the boat from because, boy, I've been running this boat now for a long time, and I sure have made a wreck out of it. From now on, I'm going to try to find out each day instructions from you. I'm not going to get, when I do even pray, tell you what all the things that I want. You know, there's another thing I ought to quit. Some an awful lot of these prayers are almost sacrilegious that we hear. 
For an hour sometimes they'll tell the Lord what he ought to do, what they think the Lord he ought to do down here in this world. They'll just try it over and over again, tell the Lord what he ought to do all the time. He knows what to do. I'd like to spend a little more time asking the Lord that we might be worthy that we get some of these things that we're asking for. Like the woman told the little boy, he cut out and said his prayer. He said, Mom, how'd you like that? Well, she said that was pretty good, but she said, why don't you spend a little less time telling the Lord what to do and a little, just report for duty, and he'll let him tell you what to do. So I said, now, instead of uh, going ahead and running this thing, telling you to come on and help me put this over and this over, I'm going to try to find out what you want me to do. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to find out what your will is for me, and I'll do the best that I can to carry it out. I know I'm human, and I won't be able to do it all the time, but I'll keep on trying. If I fall down, I'll go back, ask you again, because I don't want to drink anymore. I've had all this I want. I've just had all I want, and I want to quit. I've had enough. And uh, I'm going to rely entirely upon you. When that old thought about drink starts coming on, I ain't going to carry on that argument. Every time I started thinking about a drink when I was trying to stay dry, an argument came up. Should I? Should I? And I could get more excuses somewhere other than why I should. Anyhow, whoever was carrying on the other side of that argument about I should was sure a winner because he nearly always licked me. I said, Lord, when that argument comes up from now on, I'm going to turn that argument over to you because that's one argument I always lost. And I'm going to let you handle that job, and uh, I ain't going to even start any argument about it. I'll just say, well, now, here, you take this problem over. And uh, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Anything that I have to give up or anything I have to do, I'm willing to do, and I meant it. I've said that before, but I didn't mean it, and I got gone. So when these fellows come back, I said, well, I've had enough. I don't get drunk sick anymore. And as bad as I hate to do it, I'll have to admit that I, I can't do anything about it because I know I couldn't or I wouldn't have gone through this. I do believe in that higher power, and I already have gone to that higher power and asked for help, and I'm willing to do it again here or any place in the world. It doesn't make any difference. I'll never be ashamed to admit that I have to go and ask for that help any place where it might be. I've done that, and I'll do it again. I don't know whether I did, did, whether I did it or not, but I told them I was willing to. They said, that's fine. Now there's one other thing you got to do. you got to go out and take that same program to somebody else. And that's what I'm doing here tonight. I could have made it a lot shorter and quit. Not kept you folks. And, uh, but you know, these AAs get started talking. I went over to Adrian Mission not so long ago. And as I went along, they told me this. And it sort of did click, but I forget it every once in a while. Instead, because one of these fellows up talked on and on, you know. The crowd got rested from the chairman. He pounded on the desk uh, with a hammer, and uh, they finally quieted him down. They got rested again. This fellow went on and on. He pounded again. That finally quieted him down. They got rested again. He got sort of angry, and he hit the desk real hard. Flopped over here, and hit this fellow sitting here in the front and side of the head and knocked him out of the chair. The fellow sitting there by him, he reached down right quick and grabbed him and picked him up. He said, are you hurt or are you unconscious? He said, no, I'm still your aim. He said, hit me again. <laughs> now, that was the AAs I got it, and that's the way I've been going out and telling it. I haven't added much to it because I'm sort of afraid to. It's been worth too much to me. It's meant those eight or ten years of my life. I know these last eight or ten years, and they've been with good health and so on. Uh, and so I certainly think an awful lot of it because I've heard an awful lot of people say that they were sober as a result of following that program of the 12 steps. They were added in as we went along and sort of learned. You can take those five that I gave you and pretty much spread them out and make 12 out of them. And that was what was done. And I've heard so many people say that they were happy and reason of following that program. And I know that there's a lot of people out that are happy and in homes and happy homes that otherwise would have been dead or they'd been in asylum or they'd been in jail tonight. And the program means a lot to me. And I certainly hope we keep it simple along that line. And if you read this uh, uh, this last uh, uh, reader, or uh, grapevine, you'll see the first article in there by Paul DeGree, for whatever his name is. And he says he was an atheist. He wasn't a drunkard, but he learned. He said he was an absolute atheist. 
but he said by his association with AA, he has become to believe in God and pray. Now that's worth an awful lot to that man. That's worth an awful lot to him. And he said with the simplicity of the way that we went after it, that brought him from complete atheism back to a place where he could pray to God. And I've heard so many people, so many places all around over the country, say this. I came into AA solely for the purpose of sobriety, but it's been through AA that I have found God. And I know, and the most of you know, how well worthwhile that is. That's the reason I hope we keep our AA program. I don't get angry because I, particularly I, because I don't feel too much responsibility myself. The only thing in this program that I have that's worthwhile that I can take the program on that somebody gave to me and whereby I have had the benefits of that, I can take it on to them and give it to them. But from now on, it's between them and that higher power whether they make it or not. There isn't any question about that. And it's just between them and their higher power, whether they're able to make it or not. And so I, for that reason, I don't get too much disturbed when I see these things breaking around because I'm very cautious of the foundation. Is that the program is on a good, firm foundation. It's doing enough too much good for it to disintegrate and go along. And I thank you folks for being as patient as listening to me uh, for as long as you did. And uh, thank you for inviting me down here and congratulate you on the number you have here in this, uh, uh, your first anniversary. And I wish you a lot more good anniversaries and thanks. Now, you?
for leaving around these parts tomorrow, and I'd be there because <coughs> I like the way you think how they with your humility and sincerity. You make the program look so simple, which it really is, as long as we really keep working as you have. And you're a real good example that activity in the program pays. Thanks for nice See, I might get sort of stuck up, but uh, with all them nice remarks, but I know these drunks anyhow. <laughs> They're sort of bound to exaggerate sometimes. <laughs> no, thanks, John. <laughs>